Ah, you're right on time, as usual, of course, as it is always right now. Welcome to our adventure. Welcome to Fishing Without Bait and Full Impact Mindfulness. There are no entrance exams or letters of reference. There are no tests, no comparisons with others, and the only homework is to challenge yourself. If you're finding life particularly heavy going, feeling loaded down, and if you're restless, irritable, and discontent, perhaps you have the lenses in your glasses reversed and can only see negativity or living your life on wishes and hopes. You found a place where synergy and synchronicity are combined and where we actually show you how to make magic. Abracadabra, creating what you speak. Not necessarily material things, however intangibles no currency can purchase. Let us help you Help yourself to fully participate in your life. Let's use the power of your mind and its energy to learn to think not from our thoughts, but rather at them, and become a butterfly emerging from the chrysalis. Thinking back to when Dorothy landed in Oz and opened the door to a world of color. Come with us, detach and untangle, identify and describe, and live a life without definitive expectations. Explode into our world of full impact mindfulness. Open the door to your authentic self and let the adventure begin. Today, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and producer of this program, Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike, uh, someone else has, happens to have hatched on our couch today. Yes, somebody else from the uh, River's Edge family, of which you also stream over there. Indeed, indeed. When I met this lovely young lady a bit ago, I thought of a quote as uh, Henry David Thoreau said, that most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in their heart. However, I don't think that's the case with our guest, Miss Liz Victory. No, not at all. <laughs> so tell us about that, Liz. Tell I, us about that song in your heart. I think if I let the song remain in my heart and didn't let it out, that my heart would explode. <laughs> I would die that way. <laughs> so we all have songs, and you have the courage to sing it. You have the courage to hear your own voice. And quite often what we talk about, Liz, is asking people the first time that they heard their recorded voice played back to them. Tell us about that. Oh, I hated it. It was awful. You really, hated most your people voice. hate it, yeah, definitely. I still uh, really depends on the recording if I like it or not to this day. As we proceed throughout our interview and perhaps into the future, Liz, you talk about on your mission statement as being a force against the struggle. Could you explain that a little bit to us? Well, personally, my, my struggle is uh, the struggle against poverty. And I suppose, I mean, there are a lot of struggles in society I think mine is primarily a, a societal and maybe ideological struggle. So the struggle against poverty, the struggle against hate, um, the struggle against even larger issues like war. Um, so a lot of things, fear, anxiety. I have a, a few hashtags, which include choose bravery, choose love and choose peace which I came to while I was at the inauguration and women's march uh, just this past January. And when I was really surrounded by a lot of protesters and people who were incredibly angry and people who were incredibly happy. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in that environment, it was very interesting, kind of frightening. And the people, I was mostly with the protesters, right? And the things I wanted to tell them because they were so scared and they were so angry and they were so filled with hate was please choose bravery, please choose love. 
And so I wrote it on the back of my guitar case, which I have with me right now. And that was my protest sign as I was walking around. So it was almost like some weird uh, meta protest going on within the protest. So what we talk about here on Fishing Without Bait quite often in Full Impact Mindfulness is asking which end of the horse are you looking at? Do you want to look at the rear end of the horse or do you want to move? Because the horse cannot be manipulated. It's the only, you only have that power to change yourself, that power of perspective and we power of choice, the power of I choose. We'll talk about that later. Mm. So you talk about bravery and really and truly what's courage but the ability to deal with fear. And it's sounds like there's a lot you deal with a lot of fear out there in the world almost definitely plus i have like crippling anxiety so. crippling anxiety <laughs> cool that cool. i have uh, i've worked very hard years and years of therapy to uh work to overcome and i'm very excited that i am clean from benzodiazepines mm. for uh i think three months now That's wonderful yeah prescribed legal and all that sure. but i like to put that out there because i do know a lot of people who are struggling with addiction and you know uh i struggled with it too and it was super awful getting off them and that's only a fraction of what i know other people deal with so i hope that stands as an example to other people that it's super possible. Well, it's and, certainly no, yeah. uh, I make it no secret here on our show that I'm in long-term recovery from drug and alcohol addiction and have, have come from the 12-step world and in my time of troubles have uh, taken vacations in uh, three mental massage palaces <laughs> So uh, in the past. However, today's today. And this is when we talk about fear. Generally, when we talk about fear, we talk about time traveling and we talk about anxiety and worry. So, um, uh, would you care, before we go any further, would you care to do a little time traveling exercise with us? Sure. Okay, cool. So let's you and I close our eyes. Everybody out there watching, you can open yours. So Liz, let's hold up our left arm and let's call that the past. And normally when people are in the past, they're living in the past, they're living in resentment and they're living in anger and they're living in frustration. They're living in remorse or sorrow or self-pity. They're constantly reviewing what I wish I would have done or wish I would not have done, what I wish I would have said or wish I would not have said, and that past becomes a tar pit. And we bring that pain of the past and we haul it around our life in the present. So let's hold up our right arm and let's call that the future. Normally when we're living in the future, we're living in anxiety and we're living in worry and underlying all that is fear. Anxiety is apprehension about things that may or may not occur. So perhaps by everyone working together in this world, we can turn our past into experience and wisdom. How much experience and wisdom is there sitting on this couch? And we can turn that future into goals and ambitions. And Liz, ambitions and goals are accomplished by action and effort in the present. It's when we set definitive expectations of ourselves and unrealistic ones or unrealistic expectations of others that we end up in anxiety, worry, fear, and depression. So how about placing your hands in your in the middle of your chest, please, and open your eyes. What organ of your body are your hands near? Heart. Your heart. So what I often ask people who deal with severe anxiety is to live where their heart is, mm -hmm. and their heart's beating right now, even if they hold it to their neck and they feel it, it's right now. So that's why we have it tattooed on our arms. I'm right here, and it's right now. What else, what else time could it possibly be, Liz? I don't know. It could only, it can only be right now. <laughs> it can be only right now. So our minds are the most magnificent time machine that we have. Mm. So if we can be right here and right now, that's wonderful. One of the quotes that you used in your mission statement was being raw, present, and honest. I love that. Could you say a little bit more? Uh, I believe that was Travis 
who came up with that line or I've written lines of songs that use the word honesty and I always try to be as honest as possible in general. We're very honest on stage with our presence and the way that we present ourselves and who we are. Uh, Who you get on stage is pretty much who you're going to get off stage as well. (laughs) Except I feel like I'm a little more nervous on stage. I'm just trying to Mm. my best not to show it, I Mm. suppose. So quite often, and I'm sure that you know this, that we walk through life either wearing a mask or encountering others who do wear masks to participate in life because it's either fear or the inability to describe exactly how they feel. Oh, for sure. I, I feel like I still wear a mask and there are certain aspects of my life I just don't want to share mm-hmm. with the rest of the world because it's dark. It's dark and awful. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a choice. Yeah. And I just want to spare people that. It's it's very selective when I do share it. And I make sure it's someone who can handle it. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's it's shaky ground. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it sounds like you have a past and a story to tell, and that's very wonderful. And it sounds like a lot of it comes out in your music. And there seems to be an undercurrent of rage underneath your in, in your songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there comes the raw, the present, and the honest. So when we talk about what we talk about on our show list, what we talk about is a, rather than just being a human doing, we talk about exploding through life and participating in it. And I kind of think that that's what drives you, kind of that energy. Tell us when you've had this sense of awakened social justice. When did that awaken? When I first started writing a song, because it really started with, I want to write a song, um, or I want to play guitar, and it sort of went on from there. But I was, I didn't write choruses. I do now because I understand how enjoyable they are. But I didn't write choruses before because I felt like every moment I had with somebody else, I had to capitalize on that the best possible way. So every single word I said had to count and had to mean something. So my lyrics were very, very dense. Uh, Now they're not quite as dense and um, there's more repetition. But I feel like that desire to make change with my music and not just write about frivolous things or necessarily enjoyable things was really at the forefront when I started working in music in general. But before that, I was a journalist and the things I really liked to focus on were ways to help people. Um, I think because I always appreciated that in my life, the people who came to me and helped me and because I did go through a lot of suffering and I never want what happened to me to happen to anybody else, uh, any of them. I, I really don't understand the joy that certain people derive from watching others suffer the same way they have. I know I'm kind of opening up a, a, can of worms here but (laughs) uh yeah i do not like suffering myself i do not like watching others suffer and anything i can do to prevent suffering or help others who are suffering i am fully dedicated to that so there are people who take a voyeuristic attitude toward the world particularly those who uh enjoy viewing these reality shows on television which certainly, certainly has no useful purpose and there's a 
There's a German term called Schadenfreude. Yes. That, uh, Very familiar. <laughs> people who take delight in the misfortune of others. Okay, but I see that when your heart, you're, you empathize. Now, one of the things that kind of throw people off on this show list was when we tell them that we're not going to give them any sympathy. Because giving someone sympathy is participating in their misery. Mm -hmm. Okay. We want to allow people to help us help themselves. We can empathize and we can encourage and support. But if you really, truly want sympathy, you can go to a tavern, buy someone a drink, and they'll <laughs> listen to you all night long, will they not? Yes. And, and where does that go? Uh, down, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Spiral. So when we talk about this sense of awakened justice, Liz, sometimes that comes along with a lot of anger about how people are treated. Is that not? So say a little bit about yourself. Say a little bit about what, uh, what opened you up to this doorway for you to be a social activist. It's difficult. I feel, I feel like it has a lot of basis in me and what I've experienced, but when it comes to the anger and rage part, I feel like the increase that I have seen personally in anger and rage has really helped me temper my own anger and rage. And the things that I have wanted to say to other people, I have needed to apply to myself and have needed to engage in my own learning process of how to do that, how to be more understanding toward others, how to not call people stupid. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult. So I've been trying to just erase that from my vocabulary. <laughs> when we ask people to be mindful of those words, I'm sure that you know the old uh, children's nursery rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, that words will never hurt me. That's not true. Bones do heal. Wounds, men, bones heal also. However, words are foreverless, and the tongue is the only part of your body that's strong enough to break a heart. But we are responsible for the way we react to things. So if somebody calls me something that deeply offends me, that's something I feel like I need to work on. And I can address that as a respectful human being to another human being. And I think that's the way to go about it. Now, if it's somebody on the internet who there's no way I can really interact with who's just calling me, I don't know, a liberal cuck, then you know you can block them and just move on. But there is a sentiment that words are violence going on right now. And I feel like that is potentially words, seriously words, detrimental. Indeed. Words can be words can be violent. Words mean something. They mean they something. They mean something. They they certainly do. But being punched in the face is different than being called a word. Indeed. And I'm Indeed. very worried about those two things being too closely paralleled. And I think that is causing some serious uh, trouble right now uh, within certain communities. And again, what we want to do, we want to help people understand to be mindful of their words and their impact upon others. What we ask people to do a lot of times, Liz, is to look at situations rather than from them. And when we think from emotions and when we think from feelings, it takes us on a magic carpet ride that there may be rocks at the bottom of that slippy slide. So when we look at things rather than from them, all these emotions are neither good nor bad or indifferent. It's the actions that follow them that's a bit of the issue. It's how you react to them. So when we talk about this mindfulness aspect of this program, we talk about creating that briefest of buffers between the thought and the action. That's what we try to do. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in 
flying the colors of fishing without bait. Click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. Fishing Without Bait is a production of Namaste Holistic Counseling, PC.